Welcome to the show guys. This is Athlete Maestro and the goal with every single episode of the show is to help you break your mental and physical limitations in sports as well as help you understand the business aspects of sports. I'm your host Tola Ogunlewe and of course recently guys, you know, I started something called the Selects Edition. So episodes in the past that you might have missed, you know, that I replay for you. Even if you listen to it the first time, you kind of get new lessons. On to this episode guys, I want to replay my interview with Dre Baldwin. So Dre Baldwin of course is a former professional basketball player who had a successful basketball career abroad. So typically what you would expect of anyone who plays NBA is that they played in the NBA. Anyone who plays basketball rather played in the NBA. But Dre was a guy who was able to forge a career abroad. And of course, he's the host of the podcast or the platform called Work On Your Game. So it's a podcast, it wrote a book of that name, Work On Your Game. And just so many things that he has done from that is brand perspective, Work On Your Game. Because obviously... The reason you're listening to this podcast right now is because you want to work on your game. The reason you're listening to everything I'm saying right now is because you are working on your game or you want to see if the work you're putting into your game comes to fruition. It was a really, really good episode. We talked about the mental game in sports. We talked about so many things. It was really detailed. It was really in-depth. And you're getting this from someone who is a former professional athlete. So he has gone through these things. He understands these things in detail. So I want to replay that episode for you so that you get it in detail. This episode, guys, is brought to you by my free email course on how to build your mental toughness. You are just starting out, guys. You know, you don't know anything about the mental game. You're trying to introduce yourself to it. Then, of course, that free five-day email course is for you where you learn you start learning right the little things that you can do what the mental game is all about to build that your mental toughness head over to athletemaestro.com forward slash mental toughness athletemaestro.com forward slash mental toughness to get your hands on that free email course once you register and you get the first email come back to this selects edition where i'm replaying my interview with dre baldwin Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Toga. Really excited to be here and talk to your audience. Ah, great, man. Thank you so much. Uh, so quickly, um, can you, you played um, professional basketball abroad. You know, so usually... When anyone hears professional basketball, the first thing that comes to mind is the U.S., the NBA, and many of all of these popular teams. But what they do forget is that there's EuroLeague basketball and the European countries that have developed their basketball to a certain point, they forget about that completely. So you played in Montenegro, you played in Croatia, you played in Germany. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, just like you said, most the casual basketball fans considering the NBA is the basketball that most people know. There are only uh, about 500 jobs, not even that many in the NBA. So players who want to continue their careers or have a career professionally and the NBA opportunity isn't there can take themselves abroad where there are a few thousand more jobs for males and females. So I went that route as soon as I got out of college in 2004, went that route and played a few years of professional basketball, nine to be exact. Uh, your your story is very pretty interesting. You know, you said you played D three basketball. Uh, then you were drafted out of high school or recruited out of high school, and then you had to kind of like create your own path. If many people were faced with your situation, probably what they would have done is uh, doesn't seem like it's happening. I probably just go do something else. And I think you talked about that when you told your mom you wanted to go abroad to play. Yeah, exactly. She didn't really understand the the world of professional basketball. As like I said, the casual fan doesn't even understand it. And my mom wasn't even a big sports fan, period. So (laughs) I knew she wouldn't understand it. And coming from the school that I came from, a D3 school, which Mm. is the third tier of NCAA athletics. And a reasonable person would look at that logically and say, okay, well, this person probably is not going to go anywhere in sports. Mm. You can go somewhere in life. I mean, you got a college degree, but not in sports. So my mom didn't see it that way. And I mean, I completely understood. Reasonably, she was right. (laughs) But sometimes in life, you got to be unreasonable to achieve what you want to achieve. Oh, of course, definitely. And of course, given that sports is, you know, this unpredictable thing, you have to kind of make something specific if you're going to make a difference. You also talk about, you know, enjoying your time in Montenegro. Anytime I hear Croatia, I always, the first thing that comes to mind is um, the 30 for 30 series. 
that ESPN did on this um, Croatian basketball players. I think it was Vlad Divac and Drazen Petrovic. That's what, mm-hmm. al- that's what always comes to mind. So what was it like playing in Montenegro? Well, Montenegro was great. I mean, I was in Herzegnovi, which is right on the water, right on the, uh, I believe it's the Bay of Kotor, which mm-hmm. feeds into the Mediterranean Sea. So even though it was winter time, it was cold, but it wasn't super cold. Not a whole lot of snow, probably about 50 degrees Fahrenheit out there. So it wasn't super, super cold winter, but really, really nice town. I was the only American Only in the American, city. wow. So it was a great time. Didn't feel lonely at any point? Didn't feel like maybe uh, you needed to go home or things like that? No, I don't get homesick. I like going to new places and mm-hmm. traveling and stuff like that. So no, I never had that problem. I know some people do, but I didn't. I mean, that's, that's interesting, going into a new terrain. I think uh, there are many athletes that are not willing to kind of experiment. They always like this, their comfort zone thing. And when you try to get them out of it, it's always exceptionally difficult. Now, obviously, your coaching and, you know, you helping athletes started way back. I mean, I thought I was impressive in terms of working hard and grinding and being persistent. But you posted your first video, 2006. That's a long time ago. And you talk about how so many athletes, you know, kept asking you questions about basketball, certain skills, certain drills, certain shots, and those type of things. What's the one thing that many athletes have asked you particularly that has kind of like surprised you in terms of what they're struggling with in sports? Well, nothing has surprised me because <laughs> almost every challenge that an athlete has brought to me is something that I've had as a challenge mm, myself. So that's true. why it's been so, it was a, a seamless thing for me to take those challenges that athletes ask me about and I'm able to address them. There's never been a question the athlete had for me that I didn't have an answer for. It might mm. not be the answer that that athlete wanted, but yeah. I've always had an answer for anything because I've dealt with them myself. Exactly. What's the biggest struggle that you know they've come to you with? Uh, usually the biggest struggle for athletes is translating their practice performance into mm, actual into game. live game performance yeah, yeah. so doing it in that i mean because in practice you can you can practice a hundred times but you only get one game yeah. so if you don't do great in that one game then nobody knows that you did what you did in practice so the biggest thing is just translating that performance and that could be whether that means dealing with opponents dealing with coaches dealing yeah. with the the pressure of the situation the fans yeah. the spectators watching or maybe it's just that your practice environment isn't simulating the mm-hmm. game environment closely enough. You can't mm-hmm. ever make it exactly, but simulating it closely enough that an athlete can translate it. And that's in all sports. I get yeah. athletes even outside of basketball mm-hmm. asking me those questions. What's the, what's the one thing that prevents them from doing that? Because, I mean, it's easy to train. You train great. Uh, there are no pressures. It's more or less like you're having fun. And everything is, is all relaxed. But when you get into that game day, it's almost like, you know, there's pressure there now. People are watching you. Then maybe they're setting expectations of you. What's the, what's the one thing that you say in that area that is preventing the athletes from actually scaling that level? Are they worrying too much? Are they thinking too much about too many things? Are they not zoning in? Well, so it could be all of those things that you just said, and all of those go under the heading of one thing, which is game experience. Mm. There's no shortcut to actually getting out there and doing the thing. And this doing is, thing, yeah. we're talking about sports, but it could be anything. Yeah. It could be, I mean, if you're an architect building buildings, if you're a, a single man or woman going on dates, I mean, mm. you can practice. You can practice what you're going to say to the girl or the guy over dinner, but until you're sitting there in front of them, you don't have the experience. And you can memorize all the lines and everything. You can memorize your moves and know what you're going to do and have a coach tell you this, that, and the third. But until you're out there in the actual situation, you don't really have – you don't have that activity now is what we call it. So, yes, you can practice and have all this stuff in place and, quote, unquote, know what to do. But until you've actually been in the situation, you don't know it, you won't be ready for it. And that's why, I mean, even the best basketball player Mm. when they're a rookie – they still got to take their lumps because yeah. they haven't actually done it yet. When, once you do it, then you start to get the knowledge. There's no shortcut for experience. Uh, and obviously, you have your own podcast as well, Walk on Your Game, uh, which yeah. I think it illustrates the point to the athlete that you need to walk on your game. But it cross across other different areas, you know, in terms of business and uh, different approaches to life. What, what was your motivation behind starting the podcast? Was it just the athlete's angle or was it just related to basketball? Or did you just see this wide range of opportunities that you could tap into? Now, working on your game, the podcast and just my whole business and brand is not just for athletes. Yeah. It started out for athletes because as you described a few minutes ago, I was playing basketball and mm. athletes would ask me questions and I told them, oh, you got to work on your game to get better. Yeah. <laughs> but in business, it's the same thing and life is the same just as it is in sports. So the Work On Your Game podcast was just an extension of stuff that I was already doing. I'd already been writing books. I'd been yeah. blogging. 
since even before I was making YouTube videos, I've mm. been uh, coaching people, not athletes, but coaching people, consulting, doing professional speaking, mm. doing TED Talks. So the podcast angle was good for me because I have a lot of experience speaking into yeah. whether that be a, a camera or a microphone. Sure. So the podcast was a great way as we saw around, let's say around two or three years ago, oh. a lot of things were going the audio route. Since yeah. everybody has a digital device that they can carry with them, you can just listen to a podcast while doing other things. So it's uh -huh. a great opportunity for the consumer. So I said, why don't I get myself into that space, take the same stuff that I've been doing on video or exactly. in written format and put it in the audio format. And the audience is really responding to that over the last almost a thousand episodes yeah i saw that it was at 900 and something now you guys can go check it out on itunes walk on your game over here in nigeria it's exceptionally you, you don't really get to the point where um you have people that can take care of these injuries and all of these things so i mean it's always great to see and share stories about all of these things speaking about mental toughness you have your book the mental handbook and you know it's a great tool for athletes looking to build their mental toughness there's so many athletes out there that they don't see mental toughness as this huge thing probably until they get into the line of fire. Why do you think that is? Well, I never really thought about it from that angle, but I mean, the getting into the line of fire is actually where your mental toughness is built and or tested because you don't need to be mentally tough if everything's just going simply and easily and predictably. Yeah. So mental toughness comes from the fact that you are in adverse situations when you're being challenged, when you're being tested, and when things are not working the way that you want them to work. Yes. So that's where mental toughness comes from, period. Mm, that's, that's an interesting uh, perspective. And now, obviously, you talk about persistence in terms of uh, you sticking to what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve, the work that you're putting in. The athletes that are not mentally tough, what's the one difficulty that they go through, at least in your estimation, what you've seen from all the athletes that you've worked with? Now they just haven't been battle-tested. Mm. I mean, the most important thing for an athlete, I mean, it's something that I, I think about the environment that I came up in. You know, you're going to be tested yeah. every single time you get on a basketball court. And if people don't, they don't care about your feelings. People are not trying to be your friend. And the coaches are the exact same way. But if I was to, I don't have any children now, but if I was to have a child, mm. they may come up in a, a nicer environment yeah. than the environment that I grew up in. So my concern would be, hmm, how can I get this kid to, if they're going to play sports, any sport, yeah. what kind of environment do I need to bring them to? Because I don't want them just performing in the environment that we're living in because yeah. it, it might be a little bit too soft mm. for, them, for lack of a better term True. you got to be you got to be battle tested if you have not been battle tested then you're going to eventually if you're good and you're ambitious and you're moving up in levels eventually you're going to come up against somebody who has been battle tested mm -hmm. and their first their first instinct is going to be to test you yeah and course. that's just what sports is about sports is a competition so if you are not mentally battle tested and ready to face that challenge mm. you're going to get beat there and it may be that may kind of be, quote unquote, too late yeah. for you to be getting your first challenge. You want to be battle tested before you get into the war. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Uh, great point. Do you think it's possible for athletes to succeed without mental toughness? I think let me just throw it out there. No. Not possible. No. Yeah, because I think people get the misconception that, you know, people talk about this myth, something that is not tangible. I mean, when you go out to train, uh, you actually kick things, you throw things, depending on the sport that you play. Uh, when you are recovering from an injury, when you're working with coaches, there's something specific they're talking about. But when it comes to mental toughness, it's all this mind, mind thing. And I think people get very skeptical about things that are mental. Well, I think people are starting to come around more to it as we have, you know, podcasters, mm. people like yourself, yeah. uh, people like myself, books, uh, videos, people on YouTube, speakers. There's more people are becoming more open to the fact that there are these intangibles, yeah. things that are not you know, physically seen, felt and touched. Mm that are important to success, whether that's in sports, in life, or in business. So people are slowly coming around to understanding the value of that. Mm -hmm. And the more they hear people like yourself or, and others who are able to articulate why it matters and what it does, mm -hmm. what it can do for you and what it's done for what it's done for you and what it can do for other people, then people will become more open to it. So I see myself as one of the people who's kind of in, in the vanguard of that letting people understand hey this is why this matters mm. do you think that there are young athletes most especially and I, and I refer to the term young athletes who are not focusing on their mental game early enough to the point that it gets late for them to focus on it well they may not even know
know that there is a mental game mm. to focus on, period, mm. because they may not be hearing it. Again, they may just be focusing on skills. They may be focusing on, or if it's, we're talking basketball, they're focusing on their shooting mm. and their dribbling, and they have their coaches and their parents, and they may not have anyone around them who's able to even explain it to them mm. in a way that would make them want to pay attention or understand the value of it. Mm. That's where a person like myself comes in, a person like yourself mm. comes in, who is sharing it and helping them understand why it matters. Not what it is, but why it matters. Because the first thing, I mean, before you can sell anybody anything, yeah. whether that's an idea or a product or a service, first of all, they have to understand why it matters. Sure. Sure. Why, do I, why would I even need this mm. before they even decide if they're going to buy it or not? So the first step is letting them understand why it's important. Do you think that's a uh, is a deficient angle from the player themselves or do you think it's a deficient angle from the coaching perspective? Neither. It's just the environment period. It's just that people haven't fully embraced it because it just hasn't it's not out there, quote unquote, out there enough mm. for people who are qualified to be talking about it. And I don't think too many people are qualified to explain it mm. in a way that anyone's going to accept it. But that's the challenge that I take on and it's the reason why I, I put out as much stuff as I put out. Mm, true, true. Yeah, because just getting the attention to the particular topic so that uh, more, more people listen to it, understand it, and then can take action from them. One of your TEDx talks exactly. that I listened to, which you know resonated with me, was where you talked about confidence and too much confidence not being too much. Like people you know, talk about overconfidence and uh, you shouldn't be too confident and all of those things. And I, and I found that really interesting. Can you expound on that a little bit in terms of the confidence angle to sports? Because from my perspective, what I say most of the time is that the more confident you are, the more competent you can be. So as you get better with your sport, then you get more confident. As you get more confident, you get better. So it's kind of like intertwined. But you took it along a different perspective in terms of confidence not being too much, like it can never be too much. Yeah, so that TED Talk is called Too Much Confidence is Not Your Problem if anyone wants to look that up. Exactly. I gave that talk in uh, 2016 at the University of Nevada yeah. at Las Vegas. And the whole premise of the talk is people would always ask me about confidence So uh, over the years. They would ask me, well, and this started with athletes. Athletes would ask me, well, Dre, how can you, you know, you practice and you're good in practice, but you're not getting the game, mm. the athlete talking, and I don't play as well as I could in the game. So how can I be more confident? Because I feel like I get nervous, my hands start sweating, mm. I don't show all my skills in the game that I know that I have. So I wrote my book called The Super You, which is all about unlocking and living with your highest level of confidence to yeah. address that. And some people to that book, when I would talk about confidence, well, they would say, because there's always a, there's always, this is the yin and the yang to everything. Mm -hmm. So anything you tell people they can do, they say, well, what about the opposite of it? True. I mean, if you tell a basketball player, hey, lift weights, you can get stronger. And then you got the players who say, well, if I lift weights, it's not going to mess up my jump shot mm. or something like that. There's always the pushback of the opposite direction. So people would say, well, yeah, building your confidence is good. And it's great to be confident, but you don't want to be too confident. True. Then you'll be arrogant. You'll be cocky. You'll, you know, go too far. Mm. You know, you'll not have caution when you should have caution being having a little bit of caution is a good thing yeah. this is what people would say kind of as the pushback to the idea of being very confident but mm. the point that i made in the ted talk that you're asking me about yeah. is every human being everyone listening to this right now yep. you know what it feels like to not have enough confidence mm. you know what it feels like to not speak up when you have something to say to not do something that you know you could have done to yeah. not take advantage of an opportunity that was right in front of you and you didn't take it and then a week later a day later 10 years later mm. you're still kicking yourself for not taking advantage of that opportunity and you're going to have to live the rest of your life with the what if i had done something with that opportunity that was in front of me so everybody knows what it feels like to not have enough confidence very few people knows what it feels like or have a lot of experience mm. knowing what it feels like to go too far with their confidence. Yeah. Meaning to take their confidence and just 10x the that confidence. confidence. Yeah. Just be overconfident, to be super bold, to go further than you expected to go, to say what's really on your mind, yeah. to throw, throw that caution to the wind, not worry about it. Somebody gets pissed off, mm. somebody is offended by what you said or what you did, somebody just doesn't agree with the way that you present yourself. Okay. Most people don't even know what that feels like. And this is a question that I ask uh, whenever I give my keynote presentations. Mm. And this is what I'm talking to business people because in sports, being super confident, like you said, leads to can lead to confidence and let's take a sport like basketball. Yeah. I mean there's there's no you don't need to regulate your confidence 
in basketball because if I'm super confident and I'm making every shot, there's no downside to making more and more shots. Yeah, that's I true. can score as many points as possible. But in the business world, you don't always want to just keep, quote unquote, scoring points on people. Because mm. Sometimes you have certain relationships. There are certain political things. You might have a boss above you. Oh, yeah. so you can't just, quote unquote, score points all the time. Mm. So that question in the business world is a little bit different, a little bit more nuanced than in the sports mm. world. So I just ask people, all right, think about in the last year. How many times you have been not confident enough, not gone far enough, not spoken your mind, not did what you wanted to do. Mm. Think of how many times that's happened. Then I want you to think of how many times in that same time period you've gone too far, been super confident, been really bold, went further than you thought you would go. How many times has one happened and how many times has the other one happened? And most of the time, people don't even have an answer for the second question because they've never done it. <laughs> they've never even experienced it. Yeah. So I say... Since you know what it feels like to not be confident enough and it doesn't feel good and you know all it leads to is regret and mm. shame and you just not feeling yourself because you didn't do what you thought you could have did, yeah. how about you just try going the other way and just see what happens? Mm. Because so often people will, when I share this, this principle that I'm talking about mm. here and I articulated it in the TED Talk, but when I share this principle of going too far with your confidence and when I share it in a soundbite, mm. say in an in Instagram link yeah. clip, and I can't really give all the context. Mm -hmm. There's always the, the individual, the intelligent person yeah. intelligent, who comes <laughs> in and says, well, if you, don't, if you have too much confidence, you'll hurt yourself. But okay, well, tell me how many times you've done it. Mm. Tell me exactly what happened when you went too far, were too confident, and it got you in trouble, when it hurt you, when it really set you backwards. You can't even, most people can't even tell you when that's happening because yeah, they've exactly. never experienced it. Exactly. So how about you just try going too far and see what happens. And you can you know, report the results back to me once you've done it. Mm, exactly. Did they actually get back to you? Did they usually get back to you? Nobody's ever gotten back to you. <laughs> That's probably because they've never uh, been through that part of it. But speaking on confidence exactly. as well, um, what I get with many athletes, at least the ones that I talk to, you're going to find athletes who have been confident before and then they've lost that confidence. What are some tips mm -hmm. they can use to regain it or why did they actually lose it in the first place from your perspective? Well, the first thing people need to have is they need to understand what leads to what. So we call these, in, in business, they call them the leading indicators. Mm. So everyone understands Nowadays, everyone understands analytics or yeah. statistics, yeah. which basically means you take certain actions and then you see the results of those actions. Yeah, okay, true. so when I did A, B, and C, hmm. I got results X, Y, and Z. Everyone understands that, yeah. right? Leading indicator means what happened before I did A, B, and C that hmm. led to X, Y, and Z. So true. this is kind of deconstructing your actions. So, true. for example, if you're a, if you're a salesperson hmm. and you're making cold calls, you know when you call people in X, y, certain, a certain region of the town, yeah. they always are at least interested in listening to what you say. But when you call people in another region, they often don't even answer the phone and never even call you back. Yeah. So if you are able to deconstruct and see and not just look at your stats, to see if the salesperson just looked at their sales stats, they'll see, all right, I made 50 calls and I made 20 sales. So that means if I want to make 20 more sales, it's just going to make 50 more calls. But they not, they're not even noticing. If they didn't look at their leading indicators, they wouldn't notice that half of those 50 calls that I made mm. were to people who didn't even call me back. Yeah. So what if I only if they notice their leading indicators and they notice that the people who talked to them were only 25 of those 50 callers mm. and those were all the sales came from, what if I only called people who were actually answering the phone? I only called people from that reason because I know what led to that conversation that led to the sale. Then I'll make an even higher percentage of sales. I hopefully people follow what I just said. Mm. But the, the whole point that I'm making here for an athlete, for example, when an athlete is at their highest, their highest peak of confidence, mm. athletes said they lost their confidence and yeah. they had it at one point. I, at one point, when exactly. You, yeah, when you were at your highest peak of confidence, what were you doing? Like, how, how often were you practicing? What kind of shape were you in? Mm. Who were you working with? Who were you training with? What were you working on? How often were you doing it? What were you thinking? How were you feeling? And what's different now from then? And then all you would need to do is go through each one of those elements and figure out what's changed. And then you can just test and find out and iterate what's different now. Is it because I'm not in shape? Is it because I'm injured? Mm. Is it because I'm, I'm not getting into the right zone mentally? Am I not training as often? Am I training too much? Mm. Am I not eating the right way? Am I not getting enough sleep? So it's a, a lot of different things that could be leading to that. But the athlete needs to know when I was at my peak, whatever mm. that peak was, what was I doing then compared to what I'm doing now? I guarantee you something's different. So mm. whatever it is that changed, that's where you got to find out, okay, 
what which one of these is the difference? Because mm-hmm. it's probably multiple things. I'm usually not just one thing. But what is it that led to that difference? And mm-hmm. you can just keep testing over and over. Mm-hmm. The same way that a, a website will do A B testing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way Amazon A B tests the color of the, the buy button. Yeah. Or where they place the description of a product and mm-hmm. they test that stuff all day with millions and millions of people coming through that site so they find what works and that's the same thing an athlete needs to do that's the work that's part of the mental work that an athlete needs to do it's not just get on the court it's Mm. not just get shots up Mm. it's not just lift weights it's not just do sit-ups the mental work is just as important probably more important than the physical work great point great point so basically i mean if i'm going to sum it up in a nutshell what you're saying is that athletes have to track so they have to know what was happening when they, when they were at point A. They have to know what was happening when they were at point B. And if something changes that gets them to point C, then they have to know what happened between those two points that got them to that point, correct? Exactly. And what led to what led to it. Exactly. If it's that simple, why do you think so many athletes don't focus on things like this? Don't focus on tracking. Don't focus on noticing where they are at each point in time. Mm, well, that's an interesting question. I think <laughs> many athletes just don't, they don't value the mental game as much as they value the physical game because mm. of the same reason we spoke about earlier, Toa, is that the mental game is intangible. You mm. can't see it. Exactly. You can't feel it. You can't touch it. So it's the same as when, I don't know if you read the stories on ESPN.com, they did a five-part series on mental health about a month ago. Uh. And one of the things is, and Kevin Love was one of the players, he wrote about how he had a, he had a panic attack in the middle of a game, of a game. last season. Hmm. Right, they were, they were playing the Atlanta Hawks, and he had a panic. He asked to come out of the game, and he went into the locker room, and he was like running around the locker room looking for something, but he didn't even know what he was looking, we're looking for. for. And hmm. he realized later that it was a panic attack that he was having. Wow. And he ended up, so he sat out the rest of that game. And he missed, I believe, the next practice and the next game. And many of the players on the Cavaliers, they didn't, they didn't know what happened yet. They mm. didn't know what had happened yet. They just knew that he wasn't there. Yeah, so yeah, players yeah, were kind of yeah. grumbling like, hey, where the hell is Kevin Love? But he hadn't told them yet. Yeah, and one of the things that he said in the article was, I didn't tell them because there's this stigma attached to mental health stuff that yeah. people, don't really, people don't value it. Mm. So, for example, if Kevin Love had... Know, twisted his ankle everybody would have saw him limping off the court being helped off by the trainer with the ice around his foot and everybody would have understood when he walked in the next day with crutches okay Kevin Love can't play because injured, yeah. we can yeah. see it it's obvious but if someone says there's something wrong with my something in my mind I have I'm depressed or I had an anxiety attack or a panic attack mm. people are rolling their eyes at that like come on man like especially in sports <laughs> because yeah. very it's, it's supposed very, to be uh, tough mm. yeah right a lot of very testosterone driven mm. very masculine and the man the way that men are raised socially I don't know how it is where you are but definitely mm. in the United States it's supposed to be you're supposed to be tough like yeah. if you at mental health like a man can't say to his wife hey I can't go to work today because I'm having a panic attack or I'm feeling depressed because the wife will look at him like he's a, I'm not even going to use the language here mm, on your podcast yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it's not, it's not respected. Sure. So that, and it's the same thing with the mental game of being confident, disciplined, mentally tough, even though those are more masculine things, mm. they're still intangible. And is being confident and disciplined, mentally tough is not equal in the eyes of most athletes to me as shooting a jump shot working on your handle, being in shape, how high do you jump? Mm. Because those measurements, they can be seen. I mean, True. you can Instagram those things and get yourself a bunch of followers. You can't Instagram discipline. Like, you can't Instagram mm. confidence. You can't YouTube mental toughness. True. So there's, you can't, there's no, what's the word I'm looking for? There's no engagement you can get from that. Yeah. So it is definitely not as easy to be seen and therefore is not as recognized, not as obvious to people and is not as respected. Mm, great points, great points. I think you you touch on that confidence exactly the way I would have talked about it because it's very important for athletes to focus on those things at the right time. You don't focus on those things. You don't focus mental toughness issues. When they come back to bite you in the ass, I mean, it's always very difficult for you to respond because you haven't focused on it at the right time. And another thing you mentioned while you were talking about that was discipline. And you're going to find so many athletes who... I mean, they just lack discipline, but they want the results. I think that's one of the absurd things that I've come across in working with athletes who don't want to put in the work. That's one. They don't want to stay disciplined on the task, but then they want to see the results. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, how exactly is that going to happen 
if you are not sticking to the task. But I think one thing that young athletes, at least from this side of the pond, one thing they mistake with discipline is the fact that you have to be either persistent or consistent. What they think is that you should be willing to train on motivation every single time. You know, so they see all these great athletes, and I'm sure they see someone like you as well, being a former professional basketball player, and they say, I oh, know he was always motivated to train. He was always motivated to get up in the morning, probably maybe because of the money or whatever it was. But there's that disconnect between their understanding of discipline and what it actually is. So from your understanding, from your experience working with athletes, being an athlete, discipline and motivation, what exactly is the relationship or is there any relationship with it at all? That's yeah, a, a great point that you made there. It, there yeah, there's definitely a, a relationship, but they're not the same thing. Mm. And I think a lot of athletes, what you were saying, there, a lot of athletes think that they're the same thing. They're absolutely not. Motivation is something that comes from the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, if I listen to my, my favorite song or somebody puts out a a motivational speaking video or someone posts something online or maybe there's a favorite quote from one of my favorite books or something like that, a a meme or something that just gets me going that particular day. It's kind of like if if we're in practice on a basketball team and anyone listening to this plays basketball, Mm. you know, almost every day when you're in practice with your team, it's pretty much just the team. You got the 12 players on the team, you got the coaches, and that's pretty much it. Nobody else is in there. But one day, let's say some coach from the next level college or the pros or whatever is in there watching everybody knows he's watching Mm. now everybody's kind of motivated everybody's playing a little bit harder everybody's yelling out a Mm. little bit louder everybody's (laughs) going a little bit harder that day because they know they're being observed yeah that's motivation but what about the next day when that coach is not there anymore do you have the discipline to still do what you're supposed to be doing Mm. and this is something that in the pros no, I've talked about this. So you think about, let's say, the worst basketball team in the NBA in yeah. a particular season. They had a mm. worst record in the league, mm. but on one particular night, you know, the Golden State Warriors are coming to town to play them for the one time they played them all season. Mm. All the players, and, and they beat them. They beat yeah. the Warriors at home that particular night, even though they had a worst record in the league. How mm. is it? And people are like, well, how the hell is that even possible? Mm. Well, here's why. First of all, everybody in the league has talent. All the pros True. have talent. True. Everybody has game. So it's not like they all of a sudden got game. They had that game the whole time. But what happens is the night before the Warriors game, hmm. everybody goes to bed an hour earlier. Nobody oh. goes out and parties. Nobody's on, no, on social media trying to talk to girls. Hmm. Everybody gets to the gym about 30 minutes earlier than night of the game. Hmm. Everybody's a little bit more focused. Everybody's a little bit more sharp. And they go out there and play the way that they would play if they did that every night. And then yeah. the very next game, after they beat the defending champs, they play the second worst team in the league and they lose by. I didn't lose. <laughs> I was right. expecting and, that. And and people are like, yeah, how how is it that they beat the best team and then they lose again? It's not a skill thing. Mm. It's a matter of discipline. And the thing with the best teams, yes, they do have the best players. I mean, if you were to take the the professional basketball players are the top 1% of the 1% in the world. So, mm. But, yes, the best teams are Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant or LeBron or Michael Jordan, Kobe. These guys are better than other players in the league, but they're not so much better. Better than that. Them. That's the reason why they're winning. And a lot of people think, oh, they're Kobe won so much because he was so much better than everybody else. Mm. Yes, he was good, but he wasn't that much better. It was the discipline that he imposed on himself that applied to not just basketball, but his whole life mm. that allowed him to be that great. There are other players in the league who can score. I mean, you ever see a, a player just randomly one night score 40 or 50 points? points like yeah. This dude averages eight points, but he scored 40 or 50. How is that? He didn't just get game one day and lose it the next day. He just that day, maybe he got hot. Maybe he was angry. Maybe mm. he just got folks super focused. Maybe he, I don't know, maybe he had a side bet with one of his teammates. Hey, I could score 30 points tonight just to prove to you that I can. Something that got him locked in. The difference between a Kobe and the average guy, hmm. pro guy, who doesn't do what Kobe does, is that that guy just doesn't have the discipline that Kobe has. He applied that to all of his life and said, I'm putting everything I have into, into this. this. Mm, my true. family, my kids, my money. I'm dedicating everything into making myself as good as I can be in basketball and sounds and ask him to be listening to me talk right now mm. that sounds that sounds good right that sounds like a great proposition right, i'm gonna put everything in the basketball and yeah. i'll be great like kobe bryant <laughs> it sounds so easy and simple and fun but when you're in there doing it the first day is easy the second day is still pretty new mm. but when you get to that third day it's not new anymore yeah and when you get to that third day you're sore you're tired 
your teammates, everybody's trying to go at you because everybody knows you're the best player or you're supposed to be the most talented or you're making the most money. True. Now everybody's going at Every day you're getting every somebody's best shot. Mm. And they're way more fresh than you are. Are you still going to have that motivation? And, I mean, people say that the definition of commitment is approaching things with the same energy that you had when you mm. first decided you were going to do it. And while, it, again, it sounds so simple, it's not simple once you get into it. Once you get, like we talked about earlier, mm. experience. The experience of going through it and yeah. gritting your way through it, that's the mental toughness. Pushing yourself when you least feel like it. It's not pushing yourself when you feel like doing it. Yeah. It's not pushing yourself when it's easy or when there's some there's some reward, some gold, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow mm. that you can see. It's pushing yourself when there is no reason to push yourself. And that's why personally on on my podcast people hear me reference michael jordan so often yeah he just epitomized that yes he had game yes he was talented yeah he could jump 40 inches in the air but the guy was so mentally tough he pushed himself more than anybody else did, at least by all accounts mm. i mean i wasn't there but from yeah. what i hear he just pushed himself harder than everybody else and that's what separated him on top of the skill Mm, you talk about the third day and that's another interesting thing that i learned from you and you know it actually made sense you see these people that they set new goals so uh, turn of the year this young athlete comes up says hey i'm turning a new leaf this year i'm going into the gym i'm going to focus on my diet i'm going to try to sleep earlier everything that i need to do just like you mentioned with kobe and then they mm -hmm. do it for the first day and then they do it for the second day and then the third day, and then you talk about after that. Right. No, the third day is a, and it could be literal, but it's also a metaphor mm. for the third day being that very moment. And the third day could be, you could hit the third day in the same day. Like yeah, the third day true. could be, before I reference a, a salesperson, let's mm. say you're in the office and you're making cold calls, and you just got a, a motivational talk from mm. your boss mm. about, you know, fight through the calls. Every 10 no's, you're going to get one yes. So you make the first call, they hang up on you. Second call, they don't want to listen to you. Mm. Now, by that third call, you're not as enthusiastic. The enthusiasm has gone away. It's only been 10 minutes. True. Right? So the third day doesn't have to be one, two, three in a row. It doesn't have to be a specific day. You can have a third day for a whole year. Mm. You know, an athlete, for example, like you, you said you tore your ACL. So I'm yeah. sure that year after the surgery, after you got healed, it wasn't so easy for you anymore, <laughs> and you had to you had to push yourself. Yeah. So even though you were quote unquote healthy, you still had to go through the rehab. You get had to True. get yourself back in that shape, True. and that's a mental challenge. The third day is a mental challenge of pushing yourself to bring your best, even when you don't feel like giving your best, even when maybe nobody would know if mm. you didn't give your best, True. even when you hadn't been getting the kind of results that you thought you would get from giving your best. That's the third day. That's the discipline that sets the great people apart from the merely good people. Mm, interesting, because just like you said, you know, it gets to that point where it gets more difficult. It gets to that point where it gets more challenging. And the athletes that can push themselves beyond that point, when all the drive and the motivation, like you said, is out of the window and, you know, you've done it for a little bit. How do you move past that point? and move a little bit forward. So we've talked about mental toughness, exactly. confidence. We've talked about discipline. Another interesting thing that I heard you talk about, you know, which might be controversial in some quarters, is as it relates to talent. And obviously, I've always been someone who has gone by the notion that talent is not everything. You know, in the sense that if all you're focusing on is talent, you have to play the game, you're going to have guys that will come around and they will beat you at your own game. All because... There are other things you're not focusing on. But what you've said, which, you know, I think it has a lot of, you know, sense in it. In the sense that you have to be at least talented. Because everyone says, oh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And all those kind mm -hmm. of stuff. But what you're saying is that you at least have to be talented. If not, there's no amount of hard work that would beat that. Yeah, you got to have some talent. And mm -hmm. this one, yeah, I got a lot of pushback on that one. I remember <laughs> I, I, can imagine. I posted something along these lines on Instagram. So like I said, some people just have short attention span. So <laughs> they can't they can't listen to anything longer than 60 seconds. So I yeah. posted something on Instagram talking about this. And of course, I get a lot of comments from athletes who are saying, well, I disagree because these guys have more talent than me and I started over them by the end of the season, whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I did a whole episode of this on my podcast. And the, the bottom line is talent is, when I'm referring to talent here, what I'm saying is natural God-given ability, meaning mm -hmm. you just were born with it, you didn't work for it, you didn't practice for it. First of all, in basketball, and we're talking specifically basketball, the mm. average man is five feet nine inches tall. Now, how okay. tall were you, Toby? 
Me five six actually, so you're way taller than me. Okay, so you you're five six, so you yeah. weren't blessed with the talent of height. Yeah. So, but you think of a guy like Kevin Durant is what six eleven? LeBron James yeah, about, six yeah. eight. I'm six four. Even yeah. a guy who's six feet tall, most basketball players, if we're thinking about the I think Isaiah Thomas is five ten or something. Yeah, five ten, five eleven. Even yeah. him, he's taller than the average guy. Mm. Most of these guys are tall. They were blessed with the talent of height. Height is a talent in basketball. I don't I, just like weight is a talent in sumo wrestling. Mm. It's a mm. talent. It's a God given ability. You didn't practice for it. You didn't work for it. And then you add skills to it. So players, a lot of athletes, even actors, mm. anybody who becomes wildly successful, publicly noted for being successful, you ask them how did they become successful? What's the first thing they say? Oh uh, well, I mean, yeah, exactly. Hard work. <laughs> yeah, I worked so hard. I'm so dedicated. Yeah, I got up every day, and they do work hard. I'm not mm. saying that people who are successful do not work hard, yeah. but they're talented. Will Smith is a talented actor. Yeah. Kevin Hart is a talented comedian. Mm. Uh, Bill Gates is a talented business person. Steve Jobs was a talented creator and visionary. They have talent. Bill Cosby, I guess he's not a good example. But <laughs> Bill Cosby was a, a, a talented, funny guy. He's talented. Oh, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld is talented. Michael Jordan, talented. Kobe Bryant, these guys have talent. Yeah. They have a lot of talent. That's how they became draft picks. That's why mm. they got Division One basketball scholarships. That's why everybody's watching them and saying, this guy or this girl is going to be the next whomever yes you do work hard and add to it the recipe for success in anything in life is talent plus hard work it is not hard work overcoming talent Mm -hmm. it is not talent overcoming hard work anyone who you could think of who's become really successful in a public Mm -hmm. way at what Mm -hmm. they do they had some natural god-given abilities that allowed them to do that and if we're talking basketball almost all of these people are taller than the average male or female mm. and then they're playing basketball that alone is a talent so mm. i don't understand how and many athletes actually i do understand many athletes don't want to admit that talent mm. is part of their formula for success because then it kind of makes it sound like okay well first of all all my fans you know this mm. little five five three dude from the suburbs <laughs> who got his mom spending three hundred dollars a month on nike basketball gear now oh, I'm telling him that he can't God. make it. He's going to stop buying my sneakers. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing. And then the second thing, they look like you look like less of a superhero. Because mm. if I come out and I tell people, look, yes, I went to a, I barely played in high school. I walked on in college. I played at a D3. Then I went and had a nine-year professional basketball career. Mm-hmm. I could try to make myself look like a superhero by telling everybody is because I just worked so hard. You know, yeah, I got to work on your game discipline. The third day, I showed up every day. I just put in all this hard work. If I can do it, you can do it. It's garbage. Mm. It's, it's true, but it's not 100% of the story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The thing, it, it's talent. I'm six feet, four inches tall. My father is five, nine. That's mm. talent. Okay? Yeah. I didn't ask for that. I didn't work hard for it. It was bestowed upon me. I'm athletic. I have long arms. I can run fast. I can jump high. I'm I'm a natural-born athlete. These are gifts that were given to me. Mm. Did I add hard work to it? Obviously, I did. People can Google me and see the hard work that went into it. But the talent talent had to be there. I needed a basis of talent. I used to play baseball before Mm. I started playing basketball. Basketball. My father Mm. was... My father still coaches youth baseball to this very day and i played baseball for like five years before i started playing basketball all the time Mm. and i worked hard at baseball i was at every practice i did everything that was asking me i tried (laughs) to get better but i had no talent i couldn't hit i couldn't catch i couldn't throw i couldn't run i didn't know how to spy only thing i was good at baseball was running the bases and that's Mm. not really that's not really a skill you gotta get on base to run the bases right yeah (laughs) i couldn't get on bases i couldn't hit so I realized, okay, I don't have talent for this. So I can sit here and struggle to be mediocre at baseball, where a lot of there are a lot of athletes struggling to be mediocre at basketball. Mm. Then I would have just been, I would have just flamed out. I probably wouldn't even made a, I, I definitely wouldn't made a college team, mm. let alone a high school team, and that would have been it. And there's a lot of athletes, especially in a sport like basketball, because basketball is, at least in the environments that I pay attention to, is the most mm. visible thing. I mean, it's Mm. the biggest on social media, basketball, over Mm. every other sport. The athletes are the most recognizable. They're the most famous. They're some of the highest paid. So there are so many, and it's so easy to play basketball. You don't even need equipment. You just Mm. show up with what you have on, and you can play. You just need one ball, (laughs) ten people, everybody can play. Mm. It's not like football or baseball where you need all these people, or even soccer where you need a bunch of people to play. So 
there are so many young athletes who think, or at least they want to make themselves believe that basketball is their their ticket their sport, to yeah. success. Uh. But I, I've actually had some athletes reach out to me and tell me because I've been online for so long. I mean, yeah. since 2006. So yeah, there are yeah. athletes who have grown up with me, literally grown up. Mm. watching my stuff and they tell me look i used to watch this stuff every day when i thought i was going to go to the nba but mm. i realized that it wasn't going to happen and but i still listen to you now because you talk about <laughs> stuff that applies to life outside of that everybody can't make it mm. and this is something that you're not going to hear kevin durant or lebron james tell you in the nike commercial mm. because they want you to keep believing that they could do, that you can do anything that they did but you ain't six eight two sixty with a 40 inch vertical mm. look, no you can't do everything that he did and that's okay that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you it just means that you can still appreciate lebron james even though you don't play basketball True. you can still appreciate him and you can find your talent and you can be the lebron or the kd or the kobe at your thing but you mm. got to know what your talent is as long as you are continuing to try to force yourself into believing Okay, I'm going to just hard work my way to way success push, even though man. I have no talent. Like, you can't overcome a lack of talent with hard work. Okay? Mm. I don't care what any Nike ad says to you, what your coach told you, what any motivational speaker or podcast says to you is not happening. So you can try if you want. It's your life. But mm. don't say that you were not given the information. So if I get you correctly, and I mean coming to a solution from this point, because like you say, I mean you see loads of young athletes, they started playing sports when they were five six some had talent some didn't have talent some kept pushing some kept working and then some of them make it and then people use that as reference so if i get you correctly one way that athletes will be able to solve this problem is to quickly identify from an early age if you have the talent required for that particular sport i mean if you look at boxing or you look at the ufc um conor mcgregor is going to fight um khabib nomagomedov and those guys, if you do not fit into a weight class, they're not going to say because you are talented, go fight in the lightweight division or go fight in the heavyweight division. I mean, if you're short, if you're 5'6", like I am, and you weigh, what, 170 pounds, thereabout, they're going to put you in your weight division. So basically what you're saying is that identify early what your sport is about and if you have the talent for that. Did I get you correctly? That's one way to look at it. I prefer to look at it a little bit different way, which mm. is try different things until okay. you find the thing that you have some natural inclination for. So find and your talent, basically. Find the thing that you have talent in. So yeah. try stuff until you figure out what it is. It, and it might not be sports at all. Mm. And a lot of athletes, especially, again, coming from in, in our environment, especially in the USA, especially young African-Americans, mm. Everybody wants to be an athlete or they yeah. want to be a rapper. Those are like the two things that people want to do. <laughs> right. But we need, we need doctors. We need architects. We need lawyers. We need managers. We need salespeople. We need people who do other things. And is, there's no way. I mean, there are so many sayings out there about how every human being is unique, right? Mm, that everybody true. is unique and no two people are exactly the same. How do we have you no know, 80 million young men, black young men, all think they're going to be basketball players? It, doesn't, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't it add does, up, the, yeah. math, the math does not make sense. So mm. everybody, or be a rapper, everybody doesn't have to be those things. It's just those are the cool things. Those mm. are the things that everybody's doing. Those are the things that the everybody pays attention to you get the most respect or you have the most fans so everybody wants to do those things because it seems like the popular thing but it's okay to not do that and i i stress that in my my content all the time Mm. everybody doesn't have to be a basketball player that's why my podcast i made sure that i targeted the people that are not just playing sports and even Mm. if you do play and you realize or decide that it's not going to be sports anymore i have something for you i got a lot for you Mm. everybody is not going to do it most people who come from the background that i come from are not going to quote unquote make it Mm. so what else are you going to do with yourself and we need we need that value and there's value in every human being it doesn't have to be in dribbling a basketball oh man i mean you've dropped so much knowledge i mean if you look at the book that is in front of me i have things like scribbled all over the place trying to find a place to fit them in uh, because it made so much sense in the points and uh, one of the things just as we wrap up i have a few more questions for you one of the things that i want to talk about as an offshoot of what you just mentioned is what do you say to athletes who have this excuse mentality in the sense that not everybody is going to make it in sports just like you said 
there are only a handful of players that will play in the NBA. There are only a handful of players that will play soccer. There are only a handful of players that will play in the NFL. I mean, you see the draft system where it's up to the sixth or seventh round or something like that. What do you say to the athletes who they have the talent, if only they put in the work, but they use the excuse that, what if I put in all of this work and it doesn't happen for me? Because, I mean, it's not going to happen for everybody. Right. Well, that's the situation that we call life. Mm. That's just the way that it works. You have to, and it's kind of like a vending machine. And this is something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address in my next book. My book, mm. Work On Your Game, is coming out in early 2019. Oh, wow. And nice. it's... I've done it. I actually did a podcast episode on this exact uh, metaphor analogy uh, uh, probably two years ago. But if anyone, y'all have vending machines where you live, right? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay, so a vending machine, how does it work? You walk up to it, you look and see what, you, and then what? Yeah. You put the money in. Money in, take the thing then you want. Then you push the button, yeah. Yeah. and then you get it, right? Yeah. There's, and there's an order of operations. First of all, you decide what you want. Yeah. Step two, you pay. You put Boy. the payment in. True. Whether that's time, money, attention, that's, that's energy, focus, you pay first. Mm. Then you tell it what you want, and then it comes out. Mm. But sometimes with a vending machine, the item gets stuck. It doesn't true. come out. True. And when, thing, when the item gets stuck in the vending machine, you got to shake it up a little bit. Mm. Shake it up means maybe you had to do something different. Maybe you got to pound on the glass. Maybe you got to try to make the machine move just a little bit. Maybe you mm. just got to go get your money back. Or maybe you just got to leave and say, you know what, this, the machine took my dollar fifty dollar fifty cents. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just go to find a different machine, or I just make sure I won't use this machine anymore. That's just the way that it works in life. If everything was so predictable as, or right, if you do this, this, and this, this is guaranteed to happen. Life wouldn't be life. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it you. That's what makes it interesting. That's the reason why we get up every single day. That we don't know that just because we do certain things, we're gonna get a certain result. I True. don't know that. You know, if I'm a guest on somebody's podcast that, mm. you know, quote unquote, I'm going to get any tangible return from doing that. But I do it anyway, mm. because a certain amount of value that I'm going to give to an audience. I don't care if there's one person listening to this podcast, Listening, they're yeah. going to get value from it. Right. And I'm not looking at it like, OK, well, I got to get this ROI and that. Because if you're looking at everything like that, you're not going to do anything. It's true. You true. won't do anything because that's not the way life works. You pay first. You get the result second you do not get the result first and then you pay later. Right. and then so, you pay later hmm. right i used to think i was the one that had the great examples and you know trying to put things in perspective so it's easier to understand but that vending machine theory is absolutely good. you're going to see people anyways that will go to the vending machine and start kicking it and just hoping that right. maybe you know a pepsi will fall out or, or something like that so you still you you have those and sometimes have those, it does <laughs> it, sometimes they get it but the thing is that we all have this energy that everyone agrees with called karma um, and every everyone agrees with karma. I've never had anybody tell me they disagree. The energy that you put out is the energy that you get back. So if your way to a success, yeah, you might have won today, but that energy will come back to you. And it, um, it's going to come back to you maybe it might take a year for it to come back. It might take 20 years for it to come back, but it's going to come back maybe in a form that you were not expecting. Um, but anything that you do will be paid back in full. Mm, so fine. it might happen immediately, it might happen later, and it might come from a completely different direction than where you sent it, but it always comes back. And if you are thorough about what you do and disciplined in what you mm. do, you're putting positive out there, then positive is going to come back to you, it's guaranteed. Oh, fantastic points. And just before I ask you the final few questions, all related to sports, of course, I wanted you to share this story. I don't know if you remember, you shared it on your TEDx talk. I think it was... Um, probably the one February 2016 where you talk about Tucker's story where he was asked to imitate the best player on the team and it was all <coughs> surrounded by this fake it till you make it type of thing where you know they'll tell you you know just act confident act like you have the money already act like those things are already happening in your life and it's very easy to relate it to sports where you tell a player you know go out on the pitch play with confidence play like you're the best player play like you have all the skill in the world I want you to share that story quickly because I found it very interesting sure so there's a guy in high school I believe junior year of high school and the coach gathers everyone up before practice and he says today we're going to do something different today each of you we're going to scrimmage, which is like a practice game for those mm. who don't know but each of you is going to go through this practice pretending to be one of your teammates mm. so instead of playing how you play whoever whatever teammate I tell you to be this is the coach talking whoever I tell you to be you play how they play all day mm. So whatever mistakes they're always making, you know, because you see them every day in practice, make those mistakes so that they can see their mistakes through your eyes. And whatever they do well, you do it so they can see what they do well. 
through your eyes. Because this was the coach's way of letting the players know what they needed to get better at without the coach having to berate the players and yell at them all day like coaches do. Mm. So this guy, Tucker, happened to be maybe the ninth or tenth guy on the roster, which is he didn't really even play that much. Sometimes he didn't even get in the game. But on this particular day, he got assigned to be his teammate, Mike. Mike just happened to be the best player on the team. So Tucker's assignment, this is the ninth or 10th best player on the team. His assignment from the coach is to pretend to be the best player on the team all day in practice. So Tucker goes out and he plays the best basketball of his life this one day in practice. He's making all kinds of shots, doing all kinds of moves. His teammates are looking at him wide-eyed like, where is this coming from? I never saw you do any of this stuff before. And at the end of practice, the coach says to him, if that's what it takes, you need to pretend to be Mike every day, every day for yeah. the rest of the season. And the whole point of that was he was told, he was assigned to pretend to be that guy. And it's not mm. like he just all of a sudden got all these skills out of nowhere. Mm. And the next day when he wasn't able to replicate it, it's not like he lost the skills. It was already in him. Mm. The only thing that it was, and this was the, the super you, and I wrote a whole book called The Super You. This is you, the yeah. principle of the super you of unlocking and living with that highest level of confidence. He was able to do it as a a 16-year-old kid because somebody told him to do it. Someone in authority said, do this, and he did it. Mm. The difference between the amateur being that high school player that I'm talking about and the professional bringing their best every day is that the amateur needs somebody to tell them to do it. The professional Mm. has to tell himself or herself to do it. And a lot of professionals, quote-unquote professionals, don't hold themselves to that standard on a day-to-day basis often because they're not thinking about it if they're thinking about it they would do it but they're not thinking about it every single day and therefore they're not able to do it great point i think you know there's so many issues that you know one can go on and on and on about but uh, you know i think that you've answered so many of those questions brilliantly highlighted many of those issues but one of the things that i wanted to ask you was um what's the biggest thing that you learned about yourself being a professional athlete because you know for young athletes coming up and seeing these guys there's always this perception there's always this thought that okay these guys are a certain way or these guys are particularly like this but for you what was the what was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself just from that athlete perspective the biggest thing that i learned about myself from my experience as a professional athlete yeah it's that when you put together that combination of talent, mm-hmm. discipline, and just timing, timing is also a, a big part of it, then you can produce the results that you want. I mean, mm-hmm. I got known on the internet because I started putting videos on YouTube, not just because of the videos, but because I was doing it before anybody else was doing it. Was doing That's it. timing. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know that YouTube was coming. I didn't know what YouTube was. YouTube didn't exist when I graduated from college, but it yeah. came around at the exact time that I started going after what I was going after. So what I learned is that it's a combination of those things. And while many of your favorite athletes and motivators, quote unquote, will tell you that it's all about hard work and discipline and determination and believing in yourself, there's more to that mix of success mm. than just working hard because you need the right timing. You need to be in the right place at the right time. You need the sure. right people. You need mm. some talent and you need some luck. All of that matters to be successful. If you don't have all of them, that's probably why you haven't yet gotten what you want to get get uh yeah that's a great illustration now the podcast is called athlete maestro maestro angle being you know mastering your craft and all of those things what does it mean to you at least from the athlete perspective to be a master of your craft what does being a maestro mean to you it means that you've seen everything that could possibly be seen there so you can not only do those things and execute Mm -hmm. your role and your job but also you can almost predict the action before it happens you almost you an expert, I believe, is a person who's seen everything in their space so they can even predict what's going to happen before it happens. An yeah, expert yeah. salesperson almost knows what the objection that their prospects are going to have before they have an expert mm-hmm. basketball player can see what the other, what play the other team is running before they even do it. So they can jump the passing lane and steal the ball. An expert basketball player on offense knows how this player is going to play defense on them so they can fake them, get them to fake and draw the foul on them, get an M1 basket Mm. on them because they already know how you're going to react to a certain move. And a maestro means you've seen almost everything. You're ready for everything and you can see it happen before it does. And then you can control, you can dictate situations instead of being controlled by or having to react to situations. Mm, great, great point. And just before I ask you the final question, which is uh, what's one thing that a young athlete can do today 
that is going to move them forward in their career, move them one step closer to being that master of their craft. I wanted to ask you about athletes who say, and of course, there's so many things that we've talked about. I don't know how that skipped my mind. What do you say to athletes who say, if you're not number one, then there's no point giving it and pushing and trying to be the best. Like, for example, you mentioned LeBron James. You mentioned uh, Michael Jordan. There's Kobe Bryant. You're going to see these young athletes who they don't want to put in the work because they know they can never be as good as those guys. And then you find other people that are telling them that, look, your success is determined by you. What you want to achieve in sports is determined by you. So if you're able to do that, you're fine. Stop looking at what the other person is doing or stop trying to be like them. What do you say to athletes like that who are looking at, oh, number one, number one, number one. If I don't get that, does it make any sense? Well, if that's what they think, then I would say I agree with them and they can go <laughs> find something else to do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not in a, uh, personally, I'm not in a convincing business. Mm. I tell, I would tell an athlete, I don't coach sports, but if I was a coach, I tell everyone the first day of practice, if there are parents in there, if I happen to be coach, if I was coaching youth, mm-hmm. I would tell them exactly how things are going to go here and exactly how I'm going to run things. I'll make sure the parents heard me and the players mm-hmm. heard me. And I say, anyone who doesn't agree with what I laid out, Go get your child and leave. <laughs> yeah. And I would tell the players the same thing. This is what it's going to be. This is how it's going to work. I'm in charge and this is the way it's going to go. And anyone who disagrees, you are free to leave right now. Nobody's keeping you here. So if an athlete was to come to me, and sometimes I get athletes total who come to me and they say, well, you know, Dre, I tried out for the team. I didn't make it. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to do this. And, and they're measuring themselves against, like you said, someone who's already successful. Yeah. And they're saying, well, yeah, this person I heard they were already getting recruited by age 17 and I'm 18 <laughs> and I'm not getting recruited. So it's kind of like a waste of time. I'm feeling like I've done all this for nothing. I'm thinking about giving up on basketball. Mm-hmm. And that's all they say. They're, it's like they're they're venting to me and they're hoping that I give them something to motivate Some validation. Them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I say to them, well, OK, well, go ahead and give up. Go do something else. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to do? I'm not because the reason why I would say that to them is because. If they're feeling that now, I guarantee you, mm. three months from now, a year from now, they're going to have another again. bad day. They're going to have another yeah. rough situation. They're going to go up against a player better than them who's going to bust their ass and score 35 points on them. And they're going to mm. feel that way again. Now what are you mm. going to do? Are you going to come back to me? Are you going to need somebody else to pick you up? If you're not yeah. willing to pick yourself up in that situation, you're ready to give up, then you might as well just go ahead and give up. Mm. Because if you can't, again, if you can't run on your own energy, you're probably in the wrong space. And there mm. is a space for every human being on this planet where yeah. even when the things are looking so bad, mm. they're willing to run on their own energy. And if basketball is not that thing, that's okay. Everybody cannot be a basketball player. Yeah. You can be something else. You can still leverage your basketball experience in mm. the next area of your life. But everybody's not going to be an athlete or a rapper or a fill-in-the-blank. Every, mm. There's a space for everybody out there. A year from now, there are going to be 30 new jobs that we don't even know about today. So mm. you don't have to be something that you see right now. It could be a whole new space for you that you don't even know exists. Exactly. Oh, great point. Because, I mean, you're going to find coaches who they want to cajole you. They want to try to convince you, try to push. But like you said, if it happens now, three months, it's going to happen again. One year, when you're feeling down, it's going to happen again. You know, exactly. So I think, I think that's, that's, that's just a valid point. What is one thing that a young athlete can do today? that moves them a step closer to where they're going whatever goal it is they're chasing and you know like you said not everybody's going to be a basketball player not everybody is going to win an nba championship or uh, whatever the echelon is in your particular sport not everybody's going to do that but whatever goal that you have in sport what is one thing that they can do today that gets them closer to that goal they need to examine their discipline i think this is the number one thing for an athlete to take themselves to the next level and the next level Every level that an athlete goes up, the talent gap or skill gap, whatever you want to call it, gets Mm. smaller and smaller. Mm. Therefore, the difference between one performer and the next is not about how much game or talent that you have. It becomes Mm. less and less a factor the higher the level you go to. It Mm. becomes more about timing, knowing the right people, being in the right places, and your discipline once you do get into those right spaces. So an athlete needs to examine their discipline. What are you what are your commitments? Are you sticking to those commitments? Are you doing what you told yourself you would do even when nobody is watching? If an athlete can just stick to that and make sure they're clear on what their commitments are. And I mean tangible commitments that you can you can look at and you can measure them against your actions. That is the number one thing an athlete can do today. And there you have it guys. Still makes sense. That was episode two hundred and something. 
and now we're in episode 700 and something so even though it was over 500 episodes ago it still rings a bell like those lessons are still things that you can apply today and if you listen to the episode the first time obviously the question you are asking yourself is how things have changed for you if this is your first time listening to it then of course moving forward you know that there are certain things you need to change around there are certain things you need to put in place there are certain things you need to alter so that you get to the point where of course you are more attuned and you are working on your game the right way that's of course every single thing that i want for you guys special episode guys so don't forget to share it with any athlete that you know share it on your instagram stories just take a screenshot on your phone share it on your instagram stories on facebook tag me at tola Uglana so that more athletes get to find the podcast and watch it and of course if you haven't subscribed you haven't left us a written review that's another way for you to get other athletes to know about the podcast because your rating and review would increase the profile of the podcast so that when other athletes find it they will know that hey this thing i can use it to change my career and achieve my sports goals and of course when you subscribe episodes automatically get downloaded to your device of choice athletemaestro.com forward slash subscribe athletemaestro.com forward slash subscribe remember if you want me to answer your questions on the show from about next week there about gonna start that start taking your questions on this one of course offering practical advice that you can use send me a mail friday at athlete maestro.com friday at athlete maestro.com i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing is not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do. I want you to go out there i want you to start practicing Start working on your game and start applying all the lessons from Dre Baldwin. I want you to go out there and I want you to be a maestro today and every single day.